How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 10 o'clock and welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He is Bruce Levine. This upcoming conversation is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, making big plans for their 25th anniversary. Get your season tickets now and receive exclusive benefits. Visit ChicagoWolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. And this hour on Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Four Winds Casino. Our star guest list continues. Bruce, why don't you do the intro? Well, I've been friends with uh, this gentleman for over 30 years, and it's a, it's a great honor to bring in the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Marty Brenneman, to Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. David and I appreciate it. Marty, welcome it's in. It's my pleasure, Bruce. David, nice to be with you guys. I, you know what? The, the, the coolest thing I can tell my friends before we start a show is I, we're going to talk baseball with Marty Brenneman because mm-hmm. you have been uh, Cincinnati, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds since 1974, and you're not just a radio guy. You are a radio fan. You are an honest, straight shooting guy. And I don't know how you have survived all these years in Cincinnati doing the direct conversation talk that you do during a broadcast and taking on general managers, managers, players on your own team. How, how is it possible you survived all these years? I guess I'm damn lucky, Bruce. I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate. The biggest single thing is I've been fortunate to work for ownerships um, that allow me to express personal opinions about the club, about individuals on the club, whatever the case might be. And, and I know that, that, that I say things occasionally that they cringe when they hear it, but they allow me to do it. But I think a part of that has to do with the fact that I've been doing it for so long in the same city um, that I really don't think anybody would ever stop, you know, call me in and say, Hey, from this day forward, you've got to change your approach. Uh, uh, if, if there's a, if there's a case of allowing somebody to go in a certain direction for too long. Um, and I really believe that when the day comes that I'm no longer there, whoever succeeds me is going to be walking a different line than the one I've walked. Um, but you know, my, my, Essentially, my uh, my philosophy is: if I can praise you, if I praise you when you're playing well, I reserve the right to be critical when you don't. And it's a two way street, and it's it's not unlike any walk of life. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. And and I I've never broadcast for the players. I've never broadcast for the manager or the coaches. I broadcast for people that turn on the radio every day uh, in in what we refer to as Reds country and. And and thank God they've accepted the approach that I've taken, and 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 they've come to expect it out of me uh, more than maybe the guys that I've worked with over the years. When I worked with Joe Nuxall, God rest his soul, for 31 years, it was almost like a good cop, bad cop deal. You know, he was a good right. cop because Joe was a former player, and Joe would rarely ever criticize a player. And then you got me, uh, who was at the opposite end of the pole, and. Um, you know, for whatever the reason that the pairing of he and I worked together famously in the, in this town forever. And, 
Um, again, I, I've been very fortunate, uh, but the one thing I've often done is I walk down the middle of that clubhouse every day. I never shy away from the clubhouse because of something I might have said the night before, and I expect reprisal from a player or a manager. Uh, I show up, and if they have anything they need to say, they don't have to come looking for me. Hey, Marty, uh, good morning, and thanks for joining David. us. Uh, good morning again, and thanks. Um, you know, I, I speak for Bruce also. I'm pretty confident in saying the following, that Jim Riggleman is one of both of ours all-time favorites. He's honest. He's knowledgeable. He does everything, with the media at least, with a smile. And he's done a really good job since taking over earlier this season. I'm just wondering if you could talk about the job that he's done so far for your ball club. Well, you you preaching to the choir now. Um, I, in fact, my wife and I are coming back from Louisville right now. We had an event to go to last night, and we were talking about you know the fact they've run off five straight wins and they've beaten the Cubs back to back games, which is a good team. Um, and and I think he's twenty seven and thirty since he took over as manager of this club. And and I I'll be dead honest with you. I think if he continues to keep this club playing. Uh, reasonably decent baseball in light of the kind of start they got off to. From my money, it would be impossible not to bring him back next year. Uh, there's been all sorts of speculation who might manage this club. Um, and, and this guy's done an amazing job. And, and he and I have become relatively close since he's taken over as manager of this club. He's not afraid to admit he made a mistake if he makes a decision uh, last night that backfired on the club and they ended up losing, uh, he's not afraid to say, uh, you know, I made a mistake. And, and I've worked with a lot of managers that you would have to threaten them with their lives in order for them to admit they made a mistake. And everybody does. And it humanizes a manager in the eyes of the public when he can say, it, you know, that, 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 that decision was on me. It wasn't on anybody else. I'm a big fan of Jim Riggleman. And, and I know that I don't know that there's a place he has been, and God knows he's been to most of them, uh, that, that, that media people don't express the same opinion that you just expressed a moment ago. He's open. He's honest. He, he deals well with the media, um, and he's a no-nonsense guy. He's made some decisions from a disciplinary standpoint with this ball club um, that I can't recollect a manager making in Cincinnati um, – uh, since the 90s, uh, when Davey Johnson was here, and before that, when Lou was here. Um, so I, I, I have tremendous respect for him, and I'm rooting like the Dickens for him to get this job on a permanent basis after this season ends. That's the voice of Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David. I'm Bruce. We're here for you till 11 o'clock, 9 to 11 every Saturday, talking baseball 52 weeks out of the year. Marty. When uh, you look at baseball games now, and uh, let's say you're at home, uh, you're one of those games where you're not working, and it's right. the sixth inning, and there's a strikeout, a walk, a home run. Strikeout, walk, home run. From this, what, what can baseball do if you think it needs to be done? Uh, I mean, what can baseball do to, to liven up the, the game as far as act, action uh, because of the – the, the advent of the, the big bullpens, the strikeout, the walk, the home run, uh, you know, basically 30% of the action now being that. And uh, is it is it just me, or is there something that needs to be done to, to kind of liven up the game late in the ball game? No, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, Bruce. I, but, but what to do? I don't know. I, I Honest to God, 
And I think this game has as serious a, a, a group of problems than it has had in I can't remember when. And, and when the commissioner finally comes out last week or 10 days ago, whenever it was, and says, you know, I said earlier in the year that the problem with declining attendance had to do with the bad weather and how winter hung on uh, for most of the country uh, exceedingly longer than it normally does. And now he finally comes out and says, well, you know what? Uh, it's it's more than just the weather. Um, I, this game's got a bad problem. I mean, going into play six days ago, this game was 1.9 million fans off uh, at the same point in time from last year. In Cincinnati, they were uh, 112,000, I think, off, which which factored out to 3,300 a game. Um, and I and that's across the board. There are right. some exceptions, naturally. There always are. But when you've got 1.9 million people uh, less than you had at the same date the year before, you've got a problem. And 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 he's paid an enormous amount of money to address the problem. And and and. Whether or not he can come up with some solution, I think the games are too long. I agree 100,000% with people. And and the thing that people have to understand that are against uh, implementing rules that would speed up the play, and uh, they have to understand that baseball just uh, – the commissioner doesn't wake up at 2.30 one morning and say, you know what, the games are too slow. Right. Uh, they, they get this information uh, from feedback from the fans. Uh, that's the reason why they eliminated double has scheduled double headers years ago because the feedback from the fan was that we live in a society now where people don't want to spend seven hours in one day watching two ball games. You bet. So they listened to the fan and they eliminated the double header except for makeups from earlier rainouts. Um, so this is not something that baseball just concocted. They have to address the problems. They have to, and there are a lot of them. I mean, there's not just that. They, they, yeah. They've got to figure out a way to once again get kids interested in playing this game like we did as youngsters in the summertime when we'd leave home at 8 o'clock in the morning and not show up again until 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. when your mother called you in to eat dinner because you were playing ball all day. Exactly. And I, I just think that uh, I can't remember in the four and a half decades I've been in Cincinnati where we have more problems that affect the people willing to come out and why. And I understand in Cincinnati and, 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 and other teams. I think uh, a week ago we had six teams on a pace to lose 100 games. That's unheard of in the game. And, 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 and speaking for a club like ours, it's hard to – you can't come up with a plausible reason for people to pay money to come see a team play that's on its way to losing 100 games. I understand that. Uh, but we've got to figure out a way to get the bigger problems – solved and, and get people back to thinking about baseball and what a wonderful game it is and wanting to go out and see games. Yeah, I think part of it, Marty, is the, is the defensive shifts. They have to do away with the extreme defensive shifts because that's changed the, the way that they teach the, the guys to hit in the minor leagues to try to hit over the shift, and that's created all this, a lot of the strikeouts and the non-contact. And, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I don't like the idea of – telling people they can only move in certain areas on the field. But I think we've gotten to that where batting average doesn't mean anything anymore, and, and that, that's not a good thing for the game. Well, you know, I, I don't, I'm not as radically opposed to the shift as apparently you are. I, I think uh, there's an easy way to beat the shift, and that's hit the damn ball the other way. Yeah, they don't know and how. There are too many, the only guy that I've ever known in my lifetime that refused to uh, to – give into the shift was the greatest hitter who ever lived. And that was Ted Williams. Right. 
and he refused to hit the ball the other way. But there are no Ted Williams that I'm I'm aware of in the game today, and so I don't have a major problem with the ship. I uh, Matt Adams, who's been with a number of clubs, and I use him as an example all the time. When he was with the Cardinals and the Reds would shift, all he'd do is hit the ball the other way. And if you hit the ball the other way enough, they're not going to shift for you like that. So I don't, I don't have a major problem with the shift. Um, I do have a major problem with the commissioner coming out last summer and saying, well, our feedback from the fans is they're okay with strikeouts and home runs. Wow. Well, uh, I think that's horrible. Yeah. I, uh, when I watch a team that plays a game today the way you and I were used to watching them play, and as uh, moving the runner over by hitting the ball the other way and implementing an element of speed into the game, the stolen base is becoming a lost art now. You, you, you've got every team, to my knowledge, with maybe a couple of three exceptions, that play station-to-station baseball and live and die by the three-run home run, the way that Earl Weaver used to do back in the 60s and 70s with Baltimore. And, and I, I, just, I just long for watching a team play the game the way it's supposed to be played and also not uh, cult, not 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 uh, handling young pitching prospects with kid gloves and making them think that five or six innings is good is is equal to a, a complete game awful i got yeah. a problem with that too you better um, yeah, you better have I, yeah because i can remember when i first came and the reds had a, a manual called the reds way and and from the day a kid was signed and went to billings montana to play in the rookie league. He wasn't taught that if you pitch five innings, you've done a hell of a job. He was taught to go out there and pitch as long as you can get people out, and then we'll, we'll relieve you and, and, and try and finish the game with a win. Uh, and, and, and so I, I, I hear pitchers on our club, young guys, say, I, I thought I did a heck of a job tonight. And he pitches five and a third innings and gave up eight hits and four runs. I got a problem with that. And 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 I, I will never see the four man rotation again. God knows people are now talking about six man rotation. Right. But I, I I have a problem with bringing youngsters out of a system with the mindset. I don't need to pitch seven innings. I don't need to pitch eight innings. All I need to do is go out there and pitch five to qualify. Or if I have exceptionally good stuff, six innings. If my pitch count, I got a problem with pitch counts too. Um, uh, I have a problem with all that stuff, and and I think that uh, I think whether I live long enough to see it or uh, whatever the case might be, I think we're going to get back. I think what goes around comes around, and I think one day we're going to see this game get back to the way we used to see it being played, and the way we long for it to be played again. Hey Marty, uh, Bruce and I at the beginning of this show bemoaned all the problems that the Cubs are having, the pitching, hitting, so on and so forth. Um, but if you take a look at the standings in the National League, they're still right there. The bottom line being that there's not been any great teams record-wise so far in the National League. It's fairly wide open. Meanwhile, in the American League, there's three teams that are just uh, have incredible records. As far as the National League goes, how do you see this thing playing out? There's still some teams that have underachieved to this point, but at the second half of the season, they could step on the gas as well. Well, to begin with, David, I, I don't think there are any great teams in baseball anymore. Not this year, even though the Yankees have played well and Boston has played well over the American League and maybe another club. They're very good teams. I don't think there's a great team in the game today. Um, but as far as the Central is concerned, uh, I still maintain the Cubs got the best team. Um, and, and I have such great respect for Joe Madden and, and, and his coaching staff. I think they'll figure it out. If I had to be concerned about one team, it would be Milwaukee. 
especially if it goes out and trades for another starting pitcher, which I think they I think they were one starting pitcher away when the season began, and I still think they are. They've got an exceptionally good bullpen, and with Corey Knable back, it makes him just that much deeper. Um, but I, I think, you know, the one thing about our game is, by virtue of the number of games that you play, that when the season ends, the teams, more often than not, that are supposed to be there will be there. And I think that the Cubs, uh, you know, uh, you know, you got Chris Bryant, who uh, for some strange reason is not hit for the kind of power. I think that'll change. I mean, the, you know, who was it? Casey Stingle said, look at his baseball card. Right. Um, these guys are going to hit. These guys are going to play. And, and and I still maintain they're the best team in the game, in the, in the division. Uh, the Cardinals, I think Mike Matheny's teams possibly have over uh, performed this year. Uh, they've had some injuries. Uh, I don't see them as a factor as far as winning the division is concerned. I think it's the Cubs and, or the Brewers, and that or with an asterisk spot because I think the Brewers need another starting pitcher. In the other divisions, um, uh, Washington, I think, is still the best team in the East. Uh, I think in the West, uh, we played the Dodgers, you know, six, five weeks ago in L.A. and beat them four in a row. And it was the first time a Reds team had beaten the Dodgers in four games in a row at Dodger Stadium since 1976. Yeah, and and I and when I left Dodger Stadium, I said, this team has got no chance, and they're in deep trouble. But then Arizona went to the tank, and the Dodgers caught fire. That division is really going to be an interesting one to watch because you'll have two or three teams, I think, at the end really battling for supremacy. But the fact of the matter is there is no great team in our in the National League. And, and I think what that does is bode well for the fans in watching what happens down the stretch come September. Marty, uh, we're always uh, smarter and better informed and entertained uh, when you have uh, graced us with your presence. Thanks uh, for taking some time out today, and we'll see you soon, I hope, down the line, because it's always a pleasure when I get to see Marty Brenneman at a ballpark. Well, the feeling is mutual, Bruce. I appreciate you guys having me on today, and I look forward to seeing you when we get back into Chicago. All right, thanks again. Marty Brenneman, the Hall of Famer on here on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, Just a... you know, you can ask him about anything, and he's going to give you an honest, interesting answer every single time. And uh, you're not always going to agree with him, but uh, he speaks with passion and, and the heart of a guy that loves the game. You know what, Bruce? It's interesting because he says that the game will go back to the way it was. It goes in cycles, and I, I agree with him. I think the guy stealing bases somewhere to. down the road is going to come back they, they have for, for to, a David. litany of reasons and, and other things that he talked. I mean, you can't have baseball with guys going going five innings like it has been over the last uh, I, few years. It's, it, that just won't work well, in yeah, the long you're run. You're right. When when he talked about the, the five-inning pitcher and – you know, with us talking to Tyler Chatwood after his, you know, barely getting through five, saying that he felt like, uh, you know, it's it's a step forward. You know, I, I cringe, and I don't blame him for it. He's being paid handsomely to throw five innings, okay? <laughs> yeah. They're not asking him to throw more than five. That's just what a fifth starter is supposed to do these days. You're lucky if you get six out of your number one or your number two. It, it's got to change at some point. Mike, Steve, Tony, KJ, we'll be back after a short break 
And then at the bottom of the hour, Kyle Schwarber, the Cubs, join us as well. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be right back. 1026, welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. And Bruce, uh, we still have one more guest to go. That's Kyle Schwarber. But until then, let's go to the phone lines and let's hear from our listeners. Sounds good, David. Okay, let's start out on the north side and pick it up with Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, I haven't uh, all the show in yours, but one quick comment. All respect to Marty Brenneman. I, I, he's praising Joe Madden, but at the same time, Joe Madden is the guy who took the ERA leader out in Game 7 of the World Series in the fifth inning when he was doing fine. And Joe Madden, I think, is one of the catalysts for the sixth inning, for the sixth uh, inning starter right now and praising them for doing a good job. So that being said, I want to get your guys' take. I, I, I really need this explained to me. Bryant hitting leadoff. When Zoberst was doing a great job at leadoff, more is your two. They're getting on base. Why is your power guy at one? I just, I, I need that explained to me. I, I don't get it. When I, I Explain it to me, please. Well, I can't explain it for you, to be honest with you, because I don't agree with it myself, to be honest with you, Mike. And, and Chris Bryant has told us repeatedly, because we ask him this all the time in the clubhouse, he wants to hit third. Madden is putting him at the top of the lineup for probably a couple of reasons. He tries to get him out of his slump. But, you know, right now he's doing the same thing in the leadoff spot as he was, you know, in the number three spot. Ultimately, he's a run producer. Right now he's not hitting the way he should for for reasons I can't explain to you. But I'm 100% with you. To me, center field playing it is a specialty position. Being a leadoff hitter is a specialty position. And I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't think uh, Ian Happ is a center fielder, and I don't think that Chris Bryant ultimately is a leadoff hitter. So I can't give you a better reason than that. I can give you their reason for it, and their reason is is that your best hitters should come up the most often. And the guys that can produce runs and produce hits and get on base should get uh, more uh, people. People should be on one, two, and three in that batting order so they get that fifth and sometimes sixth at bat. That's the way... They look at it from a metrics point of view. Our best hitters, our guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, will get more at bats, and that's kind of the way they look at that. And uh, I, again, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand where they're coming from. Appreciate your phone call, Mike. Let's move on. Let's go out to uh, Steve. Was calling it from Chesterton. Go ahead, Steve. You're on inside the clubhouse. Hi, Bruce. Uh, you know, Brennan was talking about the attendance, and what I think the biggest problem they had is. When I was a kid, I'm 60 years old. My dad took me to the games all the time, so I took my kids to the game. But slowly, we're, we lost an entire generation of fans when we raised the ticket prices. Now these kids, they don't want to go to games because they weren't going to games when they were a kid. I agree with they, you. I, you know what? I I agree with you 100%. And, you know, uh, hang on the line for a second because, uh, you know, this is an interesting conversation. I've talked to uh, people with the White Sox that run the team. I've talked to people with the Cubs that run the team. And I said, you know, you got great things going. Uh, you know, you, you, you have, uh, you know, with the Cubs in particular, you got full houses all the time. Don't forget about the kids. Make 100 tickets. Make 500 tickets available on a daily basis at a different rate for kids 13 and under. Okay, you have to bring them to the ballpark. They have to fall in love with the baseball experience at the game. I think what you're saying is 100% right, that people just don't have that feeling about going out to the ballpark. The technology is so good, David, on television now and the the view and everything else and the replays that we've trained people to watch the game differently. And therefore, attendance can be and will be a problem 
for baseball teams that don't have hot teams. Hey, Steve, I appreciate Steve, we so, appreciate yeah, the fine example of that would be uh, the White Sox. When they went to a pay-per-view, they lost a lot of fans, and they're still having recovered. Yeah, Steve, thanks for thanks your call. Thanks for your call, Steve. Appreciate All right, let's move on. Let's go out to Downers Grove and Tony. Go ahead, Tony. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, guys. So a few things. Real quick. First, uh, Bruce, I, I agree with you, and we'd be considered old school and not willing to move forward. But, you know, if we don't like what's happening, then we don't like sabermetrics. And I think sabermetrics is ruining the game. Well, there's an That's intimidation the factor out there for baseball people. Believe me, if you don't say you like it, you don't agree uh, with it. And look, David and I look at it, we pay attention to it, and we watch it uh, because it is an essential part. Numbers have always been an essential part of the game. But, but they have, but they've cut out the they've cut out the small ball. They've cut out different things, fundamentals of game. Just a few other points. Uh, making it a, a a no contact sport as much as possible. I think that's a problem. Yep. I think uh, you want to bring kids back to the game. Well, let them into the park earlier, like we, like when I was a kid, and we'd hang over the wall. I had every I had every autograph from almost every team on, in '69. But the kids don't get the opportunity to do that anymore. And also, times have changed. You're never going to see kids again getting up at 7 in the morning, putting their mitt on their bike, and riding out and meeting 14 guys and playing a pickup game. Uh, first of all, they wouldn't, they wouldn't make it. Thanks for your phone call, Tony. They wouldn't make it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful. Uh, hey, Bruce, uh, real quickly, be, um, we got Kyle Schwarber coming up in just a little bit, and that conversation will be brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz and the Music City Bowl champs host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and signal t- game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. One more phone call before we have to take a break. Let's go out to Western Springs and pick it up with Ron. Go ahead, Ron. You're on the score. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Really enjoy the show. Thank you. Um, on the pace of play, I have an idea. Some people are probably going to say it's a crazy idea, but I'll run it by you. Um, there's so much better pitching nowadays and if it's a starter game where both starters are really on their game, I don't mind it, uh, 1-1, 2-1 kind of game going into the sixth or seventh inning because it's going to be a fast-paced game if that's the case. My issue is with all the reliever specialties that you got out there. So my suggestion is this. One relief pitcher, one pitching change per inning. doesn't matter any time during the game, but that's it. That's the max. So if a guy blows up, you can take him out, but you better be smart about what you do because it's only one change for that inning. wonder what you guys think. It's not going to work. That's uh, too radical for me. Yeah, I mean, because what you're doing, you're putting yourself in a defensive position. You bring in a left-hander to face a left-hander. Let's say it's the seventh, David. And, he, he, and the other guy, the manager pinch hits a right-hander, and he's got three right-handers coming up, yep. and you're stuck with the left-hander. It's just not going to work. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. We like the, 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 you know, the, the thought you put behind it, but just not, it's just not going to happen. How, how about something a little bit more logical? When these guys come in, what are the, how many uh, tosses do they get when they come in to the mound, Bruce? Seven, eight, ten? How many? Yeah, maybe, maybe five or six. Okay. Now. How about just three and that's it? How about they, they, none? Or even, well, just to get used to the mound, a couple. All right, two. But they're, but, okay, two. Yeah. <laughs> We're incommaverging it. Yeah. But they, you know, since they've been warming up in the pen for so long and sometimes for more, multiple innings, it's just ridiculous that they have to take you. Know, that's one way of cutting down. All right, let's take a quick break. We got Kyle Schwarber coming up. You want to stay tuned for that. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. 1040, welcome 
Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. We're going to be hearing from Kyle Schwarber in just a matter of moments. But, Bruce, I want to give you today's lineup for Joe Madden. Attention. Attention, please. <laughs> Get, Get your, your pencils and, and scorecards ready as oh David God. Schuster gives you today's Cub lineup. Thank you, Pat Piper. Um, Joe Madden does have a third baseman leading off, uh, uh, but it's not Chris Bryant. who It's has, not. It's Is not. it? Let me uh, guess. Is it um, Ben Zobris? No, it is not. Is it Anthony Rizzo? No, it's not. It's a third baseman, so I'll just uh, cut through the suspense and tell you that Tommy LaStella will be today's leadoff man. I don't think he's led off so far this season, so I think we're up to nine, maybe ten different leadoff hitters this season. You're next. You're going to be leading off for Joe Madden before this season is over, Bruce. Put me in, Coach. LaStella at third, Hayward in right, Zobrist at second, Rizzo at first, Contreras behind the plate, uh, Schwarber in left, and we'll be hearing from Kyle momentarily, Addison Russell at short, Ian Happ again in center field. You know how I feel about that. And Luke Farrell, and hopefully he goes long today because they need him to go as many innings as possible. He will be on the mound today, Bruce. Chris Bryant is on the bench, and he has been on the bench, I think, five or six times in the last three weeks, which is uncharacteristic because it's not about physical rest. It's about mental rest for Chris Bryant, which is interesting. I mean, here's a guy that's as strong mentally, that is straightforward. You and I get to talk to him all the time. Mm -hmm. He's very objective about who he is and what he does. And uh, for the life of me, uh, I've never seen him in a funk like this where his swing looks so peculiar. It just doesn't look like the swing. I haven't seen the, 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 the extensive power that he can display on foul balls even uh, over the last month or six weeks. You know, he came out looking pretty good at the beginning of the year, David, but um, he went from a, a 1050 OPS or 1050 slugging or OPS rather to a, to an 800 OPS over the last three or four weeks. And he's striking out a lot. And David DeHaze Which said earlier, doing. that's correct. David yeah. DeHaze has pointed out that this, you just don't see that, <clears throat> excuse me, that much from this kind of guy. Let me just ask you, Bruce, because it's at least something to consider. He did take that one pitch to the helmet earlier in the season at Colorado. Do you think that has any effect whatsoever on what's happening with him at the plate? You no, know, normally I would, you know, look at it and say probably yes, but I don't think so because you don't see him taking that, that bucket step. He's he's not shying away from balls, but he he is hesitant in his swing. He is in between in his swing. I I don't think it it has anything to do with that. I, I just I, I just don't see him uh, in his natural swing. I, I don't know if there's a change in hitting coaches or philosophies that is impacting him, but he's usually his own very best hitting coach. He internalizes and uh, usually may, is able to make the swing happened from what he practices, and that's, it's just not there right now. You know, the the one really good game that he's had in this poor stretch, I think, was down in St. Louis, and his I think his father was in attendance for that game, if I'm not mistaken. So who knows? Maybe he needs his uh, father to... Uh, um, to come and help him out. But I think we got Kyle Schwarber, who's just about to join us. Kyle Schwarber is checking in from St. Louis, or excuse me, not from Cincinnati, of course. We're going to talk to Kyle Schwarber in just a matter of seconds here. Absolutely, we will. And uh, it's interesting to talk to Kyle because of the fact that uh, he was the one who uh, put some uh, put a charge in a ball last night. We, we do uh, have uh, connected. And uh, Kyle, welcome into Inside the Clubhouse. How are you today? 
What's going on, fellas? Well, doing I appreciate you. I'm sure you were still. You were probably in the cage doing your work. You were probably in preparation for this game, knowing how early you get to the ballpark and and do your stuff. Uh, what What is your preparation like on a day like today? Uh, you know, I usually like to get in and uh, study the pitcher and uh, see what that guy's got for uh, you know for pre-miss the left-handed hitters and uh, you know just kind of. Break it down like a past history too, and then uh, go into the cage and and uh, just do my routine, do what I like to do to, to prepare myself, and then kind of near the end of that, put myself in some game-like situations in the cage, and then uh, <clears throat> once we roll off for batting practice, uh, you know, just just feel like I'm prepared, just go out there, take some swings, get loose, and uh, roll to the game from there. Hey, Kyle, uh, you've hit some majestic home runs, of course, recently, and, and some of these have been to left and, and left center. Are you noticing that they're pitching you any differently, and can you even feel that you're trying to go that way, or, or is it just where the pitches are coming? Yeah, you know, I would say it's just kind of where the pitches are coming. Um, you know, I would say that um, you, know, you, you just want to try to hone in on getting your pitch. And, um, you know, a lot of times we're, we're you know, when we do damage, we're – we're hitting pitchers' mistakes, and uh, you know I, I think that's kind of our our big thing is that you know we're, we're trying to hunt our pitch uh, early in that count, and if they do make that mistake, we're we're going to make them pay for it. Kyle, uh, I, I watched you work with uh, Chili Davis uh, when you were home for the brief homestand uh, this weekend. He was doing soft toss with you, and you were driving balls to left center. You were concentrating on hitting it the other way, and. And more level swinging, uh, it appears. How much is the uh, the swing change as far as you're concerned? As far as not trying to hit the ball like 850 feet and knowing that uh, any ballpark in America, you, you hit the ball 380 feet and it's going to go out. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that's kind of a, a change there. Is just being able to level some things out and um, you know get some more consistent contact and. Um, you know, I don't want to be no this guy who's going to be all or nothing. And, um, you know, I just want to go up there and put in quality at bats. And, uh, you know, that's always going to be a constant fight sometimes is just uh, being able to to uh, flatten some things out and, uh, you know, feel like that you're you're, you're using your hands. And, uh, you know, I would say every baseball player goes through that. You know, everyone's going to fight, um, you know, feeling their hands and everything like that because it's just such a long season. And uh, one one thing can just change the whole uh, the whole swing. So, uh, you know, you always have to stay, uh, you know, fine-tuned and, and uh, just be able to, um, you know, do your work consistently on a uh, and, and make sure you're doing it right. Hey, Kyle, I know you take a lot of pride in your, in your defensive play, and I think you have now seven put-out assists from the outfield. And teams are not uh, running on you anymore in certain situations, and I think we saw it over this last week with the Dodgers, and I also we saw it last night. Uh, the Reds had an opportunity, at least early in the game, to run on Jason Hayward. But you know, I, I think the reputation of you guys, both specifically in the outfield with your arms, teams are not taking the chance. Do you notice that yourself? Um, you know, I, I think for us, you know, more importantly, is just we're trying to get to the ball and put ourselves in a, in a good situation. And, uh, you know, if that's us being able to, to throw the ball through the cutoff man and let that cutoff man make the decision, uh, you know, that, that's how we're going to be. You know, we want to get to that ball quick 
and uh, field it cleanly, most importantly, and then uh, make the decision from there. And, uh, you know, like that, that we're doing our jobs out there, we're going to make a, a, a pretty tough decision on that third base coach and the runners. And, uh, you know, other thing, too, is I feel like we all feed off each other really well on the outfield. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, Jason out there, right, and Albert and, and Haber and uh, Zobi and, and, and me out there. And, you know, I feel like that we all kind of feed off each other. You know, Albert's flying around making great plays. Um, you know, Jay Hayes over flying around. Uh, you know, I feel like that we just all kind of see that. And, uh, you know, we're all really – and tune out there in the outfield and, and trying to make plays for our pitchers. Kyle Schwarber joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball. Uh, Kyle, when you uh, when you look at your teammates and, you know, you see the daily struggles uh, to be perfect and the way that you guys are hunted by other teams being the, the great team that you are, um, how much are you able to help other people out uh, these days? I, I know, you know, you went through your struggles last year. You ended up going to the minor leagues and coming back and, and being the, uh, much better for it. Uh, how much are you able to help uh, even the, the, the guys who have been more successful for their whole careers, like uh, Brian going through his struggles right now, like Hap going through what kind of what you went through last year? How, how available are you and how much do you, you go forward with a teammate unless they ask? Yeah, you know, I, I would say that's kind of a fine line there, and uh, you know, you, you, you want to be there for for all your teammates, and um, you know, the, the the funny thing is, is that everyone's just fine. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, everyone's going to be right where they need to be. It's just the the nature of this game, and uh, you know, I would say that this kind of the the big thing is just you know, you, you know, you you think that you know you're, you're affecting. Um, your team or and everything like that, but you're really not. You know, we all know that when uh, when an individual steps into the box, a pitcher's not is is fearing that bat. You know that we uh, you know once once we step in that box, is that you know they know that we can do damage, and uh, they have to be careful when they pitch to us. But uh, you know, I would say this. You know, I, I'm available to those guys whenever, but uh, you know, I don't want to ever. Like you know, I, I'm crossing that line there with them, but um, you know, you just try to say things here and there, just to uh, you know, try to bring the spirits up because you know these are all quality baseball players that we have on our team. Hey, hey, and Ky- uh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, Kyle. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, no, we just have quality baseball players, and I'm ready to see where these guys are going to be at, at after uh, 162 games. Always. Uh, I was going to ask you, traditionally, the Cubs have hit very well in the ballpark that you're playing in this afternoon, and hopefully you guys have a big offensive day today. When you go to different ballparks on the road, specifically Cincinnati today, as opposed to maybe a ballpark like in San Diego, which is considered more of a pitcher's park, do you get a little bit more juiced up for those parks that supposedly, traditionally, have been more hitter's parks? Um, you know, I, I don't think that we really get juiced up for, for any ballpark. I would say that you know, we're we're just going out there trying to play our game, and uh, if we go out there and we execute our game plan, we know good things are going to happen. And uh, you know, it, it, some days it's just not going to work out, and you know, we're going to keep grinding. Um, you know, on the offensive side, and I know that we're going to keep grinding on the the pitching side and the defensive side too, to uh, get everything clicking. And um, <clears throat> you know, it's just the nature of this game. Sometimes, you know, you're not going to win every game. But, um, you know, we still want to, 
you know, keep grinding and making sure that uh, we're, we're, we're executing our game plan. Kyle, departure from the general questioning to uh, ask you, as a baseball fan, what guys in baseball would you pay to see, would you pay box seat money to see play if you weren't playing and you, you had a day off and you, you had a chance to go to a ball game and pick three or four guys that you would you would pay to go watch? Man. Uh, Your own team is included. My own team's included. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. I would definitely say um I would definitely say Almora's one. You know, the, the just the way that that guy's out there playing right now and uh he he what he's doing with the bat and what you know what he does with the defense is it's it's really special. And uh you know that guy's a that guy's a star in the making. And uh you know it's a, he's he's kind of the, my my pick. Um another guy too is um yeah. I would say, you know, if if I got someone on the mound, um, <laughs> I mean, our, our whole pitching staff, but uh, Johnny Lester, you know, just the way he's out there throwing the the rock right now, I, he's close to uh, the tops in the array. Yeah, how, right did, how does he get people out? I mean, is it just is it command? I mean, he's not he's not blowing people away. He's just yeah. Is it command? Yeah, I mean, he, he just. He, I mean, when you see the guy making pitches, you know. Uh, he, he's got great command of of all this stuff, and uh, he's a guy who's going to attack you with his fastball. But um, you know, you, you don't really see him miss that much over the plate. You know, if he's missing, he's missing for a ball, which is um, you know a, a, a thing for a pitcher. You know, if they're you know, like I said earlier, the hitters are we kind of do damage on mistakes, but right. this guy doesn't really make many mistakes, and uh, with the command of his fastball. He just goes out there and he pounds the bottom, and uh, he he's going to keep him off off. Um, you know he's going to try to keep him off the heater with you know the curveball, and um, you know he just does a really good job there. Well, go out there and uh, and have some fun. I know a lot of home uh, your your family and friends in the area not too far away will be around, and Cincinnati's always been good to you. So keep up the good work, Kyle. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse, okay? All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Kyle Schwarber joining us to round up our show and round out our show. A lot of people to thank today, David. Yeah, absolutely. What a star-studded cast it was. Rick Hahn, David DeJesus, Marty Brenneman, Kyle Schwarber, and of course you, Bruce. And absolutely, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, also right on our website at 670thescore.com. Sox and Cubs every single day. David, I'll see you out at the ballpark. I'll see you, Bruce. And coming up next, the one and only Steve Rosenblum. I'll be along in the rumble seat. Saturday suckage upcoming. Stay tuned. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.